The Last Word on Sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. And so to the weekend's World Cup quarterfinals in advance of the semi-finals tomorrow night and Wednesday night, which we will preview each evening. But let's talk about all of the drama from the weekend. And Tony, let's start. Tony Cascarino, Miguel Delaney, chief football writer with The Independent with us. Tony, let's start with England because I've been reading so much and hearing so much about how well they played, how much they were the better team they were than France, how unfortunate they were. But hold on a second. They lost. Isn't that all that counts? Aren't you maybe better off losing if you're bad than losing than apparently having played well? Well, they certainly didn't play well in the first half either, Matt. You know, um, there was a bit of an overreaction because England played decent enough in the second half or ultimately losing the game. Um, I found it really hard this weekend working um, just, you know, on radio, Matt, talking about England and, and, and some of the issues that come up that... You know, small margins make massive differences, Matt. You know, I I said, you know, Giroud's goal. When he gets across Maguire, and there's one thing you mustn't let Giroud do is get across you because that's what he looks for. He looks to get across defenders. So you could probably say Maguire could have done a lot better there. And then substitutions you'd look at. And I can't believe Trent never came on, Matt. But I saw Lloris on four or five crosses towards the last ten minutes of the game come out and take them comfortably. Surely there was an element of Trent Alexander coming on because he's a great deliverer of the ball. And look, it, there are small margins, Matt. And ultimately, France had no emotion, it felt like to me. They they just were quite, you know, they went after England and then they picked them off and then got that moment and then took advantage of that, Matt. You know, Griezmann's a bit like that sort of player. Imagine for the French team played as poorly as I thought they could have, Matt, and England has still lost. And also, Mbappé probably had his worst game in the tournament, and they've still lost to, to France. So you have to raise these questions, because I think they're valid points. And you haven't even mentioned the penalty miss, but what you say there about not bringing on Trent Alexander-Arnold, now there were people who would say that you know, defensively they wouldn't have trusted him against Kylian Mbappé, even if it was for the last 15 minutes or whatever. But could it be that that, in some respects shows the caution that may have inhibited Gareth Southgate throughout his entire time as England manager, that he has always been the man for the, the safer approach when it comes to selection and tactics. Well, Matt, you, you, exactly. You, sometimes you have to look at the scenario, and the situation was England needed to get an equaliser. And with that, you can't worry about what Kylian Mbappe might do to you. You have to think of what we can do to them, and can we hurt them? And I think Trent was totally underused. I thought, I thought Callum Wilson was underused as well, by the way. There was a period of the game where I thought Kane had to have help alongside him because he was dropping so deep, Matt. He might as well have not been a centre-forward. So there were no issues that, you know, this has been a number of tournaments for England and especially Gareth and um, how they, they, their tournaments panned out. Yes, they you got the oldest on luck. Well, Croatia, Italy and now France. You can't be unlucky all them three times, Matt. They they haven't been that. They've made mistakes. And like I said, if you make small mistakes, you pay the ultimate big prize. Yeah, Miguel Delaney, when England play European teams in knockouts in tournaments, they don't win. Be fair to say, wouldn't it? Um, Well, uh, I mean, they did get to the final of the Euros last year, to be fair. Now, that was at Wembley. 
Um, but I, mean, I think they've only won two out of the last nine games against European teams in knockout. Yeah, I mean, I have seen that stat going around. The only thing, I mean, a lot of those are kind of from previous eras or previous managers. So I'm not sure how relevant they are. The one thing I would say about what I think why everyone's bringing up how well they played and why that's especially relevant now is that basically in, in all previous eliminations and particularly Southgate's last two, the, the the main issue was ultimately that England were kind of tactically outwitted or they didn't control the game. Whereas this is different because. They, they, as Southgate has made such a point to say, and they went toe to toe to France. They controlled midfield, and I mean, whatever, whatever else you want to say about England, that that is true in this situation. So I think the feeling is that, unlike previous campaigns where they had they had to go away and think about something, and there was some massive gap to be crossed, that isn't the feeling this time. Although it does kind of feed into the kind of next question, which is basically, given that Southgate has gotten to this point, and it is down to these fine margins whether he's actually capable of pushing them over the line. This is a discussion that's come up around the squad in the last few days, whether he's enough of a winner because he's, he's won nothing in his career. And when it comes down to it, managers gamble. I mean, that, that was one of the most striking things for me, actually, about this England game. Because I've been to Argentina and Netherlands the night before. And obviously, Argentina and Netherlands had a complete chaos. But that's because it was players. Because this is the World Cup. It, it, it means the world to them. And they were pushing themselves to the absolute limit. There's all this anguish, tears. Basically, I suppose, what, what, what moves you about football. With England, it did feel like even in the last 10 minutes, they were kind of going through this process. Because uh, that, that's how Southgate manages. It's always process. It's kind of set moves. And that's, well, that's good to, uh, in terms of kind of getting you competitive or putting you in the right area. It doesn't necessarily get you into first place or get you over the line. Uh, and I think that's where, and that's why, kind of, as, as Tony's mentioned there, the fine margins can have such a massive difference. And was it got a bit like that they almost were deflated by Kane's penalty miss, that they didn't redouble their efforts and push on? It was almost like, we've blown it. Well, yeah, I have to say, um, the state, I mean, it was a strange atmosphere anyway, because there wasn't that many fans on either side, uh, and there were a lot of empty seats, and it has been the case with a lot of big games in this tournament. But even from those fans that were there, there were, you could notice a distinct change in atmosphere after Kane missed a penalty. I think there was an element of shock about it. And I do, yeah, I think it possibly took the wind out of England a bit. Tony, you know what it's like to take a penalty at a World Cup. You famously took a penalty in our shootout win in 1990 against Romania. And we've discussed before how you did a brilliant job of kicking the ground before you actually kicked the ball, which at least had the merit of making sure that the ball didn't go skywards as a result. Um, How shocked were you? How gobsmacked, I think, were we all to see Harry Kane suddenly do that, particularly when he hit his last penalty less than a half an hour earlier so well? Yeah, Matt, look, life isn't um, as we sometimes think it should be, is it? Where I think anybody, I mean, I've heard some ludicrous conversation over the weekend of people saying, we shouldn't have took the second one. Well, if there was a third one, Matt, I'm giving him the ball because his record with penalties is extraordinary. Has he ever done that before? No. First time ever in his career, he's blasted it over like he did. Uh, Matt, how do you explain that? A player that really is focused, knows what he wants to do when he, he's taking a spot kick. Um, I, I couldn't fathom it out at all. I, I never saw that coming, Matt. And I think he didn't either. Um, maybe you could say, did he try and hit it with too much pace? And it's unfortunately just got underneath it slightly. I deliberately, when I took mine, I, my whole intention was to keep it low. Jack Cholton, you said to me, whatever you do, hit it low and hard. 
And I always thought of that, just low and hard, low and hard, and stayed with that. And yes, I did take a bit of a divot, Matt, but <laughs> golfers take divots all the time, Matt, and they're still good shots. I think the goalkeeper actually <laughs> dived after the divot and the ball went the other way, wasn't it? It flew past him, Matt. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let's talk about the rest of the World Cup because it wasn't just about England. We'll talk in more detail about France on Wednesday night and what they need to do. But uh, the Argentina Netherlands game on Friday was utterly remarkable, wasn't it, Miguel? That must have been a joy to have been at. Yeah, um, it was. For me, it was the game of the tournament so far. Not necessarily in terms of quality, um, but drama. In terms of yeah, the drama of it and the way it developed. One thing I shouldn't go without saying is that, I mean, it's, it's actually going to be a strange event for a lot of us who were there because obviously uh, the American journalist Grant Wall, who we all knew, passed away at the game. So it's quite an, it's quite an odd one that we're talking about yeah. one, of the, one of the classic World Cup games. And yet for a lot of it, it will, it will be remembered as well for this uh, pretty harrowing experience and sad news. Um, I mean, he's obviously a bit of a kind of a, 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 a difficult statement to go on from. Yeah, but, yeah. and sorry, and he was also well known for having one of the journalists. He had been detained by the authorities at an earlier match, hadn't he, for wearing a rainbow T-shirt as a gesture of solidarity. Yeah, yeah, and his brother is gay as well, so I think it was quite a personal cause to him. So, and I think you can see from a, a lot of the statements since there was a lot of respect for him, and there was actually a nice, a nice touch from FIFA the following night when they had his. Um, his, his picture and some flowers in the, on the seat he would have taken for the England game. Um, but yeah, he, he, he'd, he'd been a strident critic of, of the tournament and what it was. I suppose this is one of the things about it. And, and one of the things he, he, he'd written about, or we've written about that, Qatar are using basically the drama of games like Netherlands and Argentina. And they, they certainly got their value in that sense. And I mean, it's interesting actually because there's been a lot of will here and I think especially when you consider the fans and obviously that's so relevant to Argentina as well there's a lot of will for an Argentina Brazil uh, semi-final I think there's a little bit of um, disappointment from the authorities here from FIFA that it, they, they haven't got that but that's how football goes I think I mean on Friday morning if you had to ask me if, 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 if one of the if one of the big South American sides is going to go out I would, probably would have said Argentina rather than Brazil but Argentina as we saw in the game have this dogged momentum. I mean, that was one of the things that actually most struck, struck me about the match itself. I think given the way Argentina were pegged back from two goals down uh, and how kind of emotional they've been this tournament, it would have been very easy for them to collapse. But they didn't. They actually, I mean, they dominated Netherlands in extra time. Probably should have won in extra time. There was four chances, including that shot off the post from Fernandez. And even then you would have thought, well, emotional momentum is with the Dutch here. Because how many times have we seen these situations where the team that feels like it's luckier to get the penalties, actually goes through. But, I mean, Martinez, their own goalkeeper, and, and this, is, this is going to be interesting, that could frame the uh, semi-final, given the influence of the two goalkeepers, especially on penalties. But Martinez turned that shootout, and Argentina keep going. Um, it, it's almost a classic case, of it, especially given how they lost that first game in Saudi Arabia, of a team evolving and developing as the tournament goes on. And they, they just have that spirit about them. Could it be Tony as well that there are certain players who just cannot be sent off in a game? I mean, there was a bad incident in the Brazil-Croatia game and Danilo somehow karate kicked a, a Croatian in the head and only got a yellow card. Messi did nothing like that, but he had been given a yellow for dissent after the equaliser. But earlier, he should have got a handball yellow card as well, hadn't he? So, oh, absolutely, yeah. So I mean, can you imagine if Messi gets yellow carded in the semi-final that they win it and he misses the final? 
Yeah, Matt, um, we saw over the weekend some terrible officiating, I've got to be honest, Matt. Um, and also, you're right, it was an absolute certainty yellow card for Lionel Messi, which, for whatever reason, the referee didn't give it. Um, I can tell you the reason, well, because it was Lionel Messi. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure, Matt. I mean, you know, imagine Lionel Messi would not been in the semi-final. No, you can't. Um, do you know what was the weirdest thing about that match, Matt? And you'll remember, you and Miguel will remember this. 2001, we, we beat uh, the Netherlands 1-0 at Lansdowne Road. Yes. Lee Van Howe was the manager. Yeah. He ended up with four centre-forwards yeah. up front. Do you remember? I do. Ruben Nistelrooy, Jimmy Floyd, Bank, Patrick Clivert, and Van Oydonk. Yeah. They all, they all ended the game up four. And I remember looking and thinking, and Miguel used the word chaotic, chaos. I remember that game and thinking, oh, where are they all playing? Where's he, you know, on the wings and up front and... And he's done this before. The most amazing thing about that game, they didn't stay with that in the extra time. They reverted back to type, the Netherlands. It was just unbelievable to me. It was like, you've had Van Dijk up front, and you've got back into the game, and, you've, and people say, oh, well, yeah, but now it's another 30 minutes. They caused havoc to that Argentina back line, and they ended up reverting back to what they did, Matt, was to go, could try and outplay. And what happened, like Miguel said, they had four chances Argentina in extra time. Miguel, is it also something that we should actually, to some extent, celebrate the nastiness and the vitriol between the teams? That, you know, people say, oh, it's dreadful, it went out of control, but that actually just added to the drama, the sheer bedlam and the sort of the enmity of the two teams. That's great. I mean, what it does as well, it shows how much it means. But I mean, I saw there was some... There was some sort of social media post the weekend of someone involved in rugby or something. We spoke about how, oh, this is everything that's wrong in football. But actually, it was interesting. In the, in the, we were in the mix zone afterwards, and we were talking to a few Dutch players like Memphis Depay and Nathan Ake, and they both made a point of saying, we, would, we don't blame Argentina. It shows how much they wanted to win. We, we just have to take it on the chin. And I think that's what's good about football. And I think they recognise... I mean, and this is also... It speaks to the point about England kind of finishing their match so passively as well. But this is what's great about the World Cup, that actually it brings people to these extremes of emotions. There is actually very little like it in sport in that sense. And, and, it's, and yeah, I mean, I suppose, so long as it doesn't lead to lasting grudges. Well, the, the situation after the game was funny in itself, where Vel Veghorst, who got both Dutch goals, tried to... Uh, tried to change shirts with Messi, and Messi thought he was coming over for a row. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we will talk in more detail about Morocco when they get to their semi-final on Wednesday night, but uh, Tony, I have to ask you about the way Portugal went out of the tournament and also the narcissism again of Cristiano oh. Ronaldo in his behaviour after the defeat. What do you make of it all? Um, first, Ronaldo, Matt, don't get it. I can't, no, I've tried to defend him because he's been such a great player over the years and three managers back then, Raniak, who, who was caretaker at Man United, obviously made it clear that he wasn't for him and United had to change their ideas and then Ten Hag and now the Portuguese manager and then to walk down the tunnel, Matt, you, you can't do that. You're 37 years old, you've done everything in your career. You stay on the pitch with the younger lads. It's their first tournament. You stand there with them, you make sure they're okay. Just to walk down the tunnel and be crying your eyes out. Oh, I just didn't get it, Matt. It's not. I just. His duty is not that now. It's not about him. It was about his rest of his teammates. For once, he could have just taken care of them because that was a devastating defeat. And to be fair, Matt, and going on Morocco, Morocco have done this to a few teams now. You know, 
Their goals against Column is brilliant. They keep creating chances and they're quite direct at times. Their goalkeeper Bono's been brilliant. Um, fair play to them, Matt. They, I thought they deserve. I mean, the goals. Just, I mean, if Ronaldo should have been crying. He should have been crying about their goal because that's the sort of header he used to get with that incredible leap. You know, yeah. so. Well, the Portuguese keeper was shocking on it the way he came out. Yeah. Could it be, and we will talk more about Morocco on Wednesday night, but briefly, Tony, could it be that Morocco could do what Greece did in the European Championships in 2004 and go on and win it? Well, they keep surpassing that. I keep, no, they've got loads of injuries as well. So you keep thinking, well, they can't go another leg, can they? can't go that step further because they're losing player after player. They've got both their centre halves down now, Matt. You know, and you see Hakimi in the right-back position has been brilliant for them. You know, he just makes great runs. His relationship with Ziyech is, is terrific as well. And I just keep thinking, oh, this is the last hurdle for them. They can't go any further. Matt, they've got an incredible attitude. And you know what they've got? And Miguel will tell you this, but amazing support there, as big as anybody. And that has played a big part for them. Miguel, Cristiano Ronaldo, let's go back to him because he's one of the two most famous footballers in the world. He has been so obsessed with his image and, dare we say, his brand identity. Maybe somebody needs to call him aside and tell him that he's going to do damage to the brand identity with this sort of carry-on. Or will it? Because even when he came on as substitute in the games for Portugal, the reaction in the crowd was all more about him than it was about the teams on the pitch. Well, that's it. And it, and it kind of just speaks to how he's been indulged because he has this global hero worship. But what that's led to is basically a situation of uh, self-delusion, really, where he it's like he can't accept where he is at this point in his career. I mean, this is a point that was made about him in Manchester United, and he could have been like he's with Portugal. Had he accepted his role as kind of you know, an elder statesman of the team who comes on in certain situations... Like, say, Niall Quinn in 2002 when he came on against Germany. Some, then, maybe Niall be uh, the light of that comparison. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, Ronaldo could still have a use. But I think everyone, like, this is why he can't get a club at the moment. Because everyone knows you're not getting Ronaldo as we know Ronaldo. But you're also getting someone who's a major problem, especially with the team dynamic. Some weekend, though, wasn't it, Miguel? Oh, it was incredible weekend. I mean, this is one thing. Again, I mean, it's essentially what why Qatar. One of the reasons Qatar went for this World Cup um, because the power of football, the power of the storylines, and for all the the many controversies here that we should be talking about, football has that kind of uh, effect where it just it causes everyone to forget everything else because of the emotion. Well, well look at the storylines going into this final, game, yeah. final week now. And actually, there's one last thing from the weekend that I want to ask you briefly both about. And Tony, I'll go back to you. I asked you about Harry Kane's penalty, but the penalty shootouts as well. I mean, when are countries ever going to learn that you put your best penalty takers first? I mean, this idea of Neymar, we talk about the indulgence of Ronaldo. Why the hell was Neymar waiting to take the fifth penalty for Brazil? How can you ask me that, Matt? You know him back in 1990. We only had three penalty takers. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had to, I had to be dragged in. Literally, I was involved in penalties, Matt. I only found out when I was in the centre circle that I was going to take one. Um, so, it, look, penalty takers, absolute. It's an absolute guarantee. Put your best ones up first. Try and put the pressure on the opposition because if you, if you convert, you've got an advantage, Matt, adding more pressure on them. So I could never understand having Neymar last, to me, is just madness. Absolute madness. And what about this thing about having to make the very first penalty taker wait while the referee explains to the goalkeeper's rules that should be known to them? 
Well, you, you do wonder about that. I mean, I suppose it's a protocol, and there's been a few questions about some of that in the tournament, especially, I mean, it's interesting how even the, uh, while there was a lot of, well, well, there's still a lot of added time in games, it has felt it's gone down since the start of the tournament, although Argentina might dispute that, given they had 10 minutes against the Dutch. But yeah, it's another one of these protocols, and it's hard not to feel maybe it influences a situation where we've seen so many first penalties missed. I mean, typically, usually, going first has been an advantage in shootouts, whereas here, maybe it's not because of, the, of this build-up. Uh, and we and we've seen this situation so many times, including in uh, the Dutch match against uh, Argentina. Okay, we have to leave it there. Miguel Delaney, chief football writer of the Independent, Tony Cascarino. Thank you very much. We'll preview the semi-finals tomorrow night and Wednesday night. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from four thirty.